it's not about the matchmaking. It's about who do you become and who are you looking for? And then the matchmaking is like a jigsaw puzzle in that. Love that. And I would even say to my clients, like, even if you're hiring me as your matchmaker and relationship consultant, relationship coach, you might meet your soulmate yet not through my service. Right. Right. right, right. But my goal is to help you become who you want to be and be super clear on who you want to attract and who you want to build a, a lifetime relationship with. And that that's the gold. That's actually what's going to help you attract him wherever he is. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the boldly courageous podcast. And today my guest is Nita and Nita and I have had so much fun getting to know each other. She is a serial entrepreneur, a top tier business consultant, self-identity reinvention coach, and a former Fortune 500 executive with more than two decades of experience in business, psychology, and personal development. But what we talked about today on this episode was so much fun. We dove deep into the idea of dating as a high value woman and attracting a high value man. And Nita does a really great job of making the distinction between a high value person versus a high net worth person and a high value person versus a high maintenance person. And so we really go deep into those nuances of 
What does it look like to date as a high value person? We talk a lot about dating apps and matchmaking services and the business that she's running um, as a matchmaker. So filled with so much great information. And I feel like we could have gone for another hour. This is a longer episode, but we just, we just kind of got into the vortex and she talks a lot about her role as a single mom and raising a high value man as, as a single mother. So my guest today is Nita and she's the founder of Nita Leard Consulting and Coaching, where she advises world-class experts to become legendary market outliers. She works with highly exceptional coaches, consultants, and experts who want to build a truly innovative business that stands out from the rest with a one-of-a-kind solution and market position. She's the author of the One to Millions Entrepreneur and host of the Nita Leard podcast show. She also has a master's and bachelor's degree in business and marketing and is currently completing her research as part of her PhD in social psychology. She's a regular contributor to Forbes, Entrepreneur, Brains Magazine, and has been featured on Business Insider, Fox, ABC, CNBC, USA Today, and other media. Without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Nita. Nita, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here. And I'm like so excited for this conversation because we were just chatting offline um, before we hit record. And I just feel like we might, this is probably going to be like a two-part conversation. We're going to go so deep on this. I'm excited. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Melissa. Yeah. I, I really look forward to being on the show. Um, And, you know, we had our pre-conversation and we connected really well and yeah, we, we speak the same language. We totally do. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. We have so much fun here. Yeah. So what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? One boldly courageous thing that I've done recently Oh my God. Like, I, I didn't think you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Let me think. Let me think. I, I feel like I'm, um, I'm just someone that always does, does these like unconventional things, you know? And so I guess I never really consider the things that I do boldly courageous, if you know what I mean. But when I tell people about the things that I do, they'll just like, wow, that was amazing. Like, you know, like, for example, a thing that we did, I'm a single mom. And back when he was in first grade, um, we weren't happy with his international school that he was um, with at that time. So we just decided to do homeschooling, you know, for example. And a lot of parents actually want to homeschool their kids, but they, I think there's this like, society pressure, you know, like that, oh, are you going to be doing it right? How are you going to do it? You know, like parents even struggle helping their kids with getting them to do their homework. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that like, that's something that's like very normal for me. And so when COVID hit like three years ago, I can't believe it's three years already. um, His other international school, which was a really great school. Unfortunately, the teachers were not able to adapt, you know, to the online learning system they they weren't able to adapt very well so um i got him to drop out of school he he it was his decision as well so i think we kind of live that unconventional life and say like okay your life you design it you know however you want it to be and we don't we always question like rules and like just because everybody's doing this we don't have to do it if it doesn't make sense and we have like this you know, reason of why we have a better way. And so what we did was I got him a tutor from um, NYU, 
online and she was uh, this like high performer and she's like she's she has her GPA like she's just very smart and very she sets very high big goals for her students and so I could see that um happening to my son as well and so um he was studying and then that's how we found out that he actually was very gifted in the field of science and physics and math and all that. But when he was in a normal school, you know, bright kids tend to do average in, in a normal setting because and that's that's what we realized through that experience. Because, you know, normal schools are catered to everyone, to to like the main, like for everyone, right? But when you put someone that's great at a particular subject into that setting, they get bored, Mm -hmm. right? And so we discovered this whole thing. And then, yeah, when we had to return back to school, we couldn't anymore because he got ahead of everyone. And so we looked for an online kind of school that was um, matching to the DNA that we were looking for in a school, you know? And so we found this um, online school that specialized in... um, supporting kids to get into Ivy League. And yeah, so that's like something that we found was a quite a bold step, you know, that we made that like nobody else was doing. Um, and everybody's like, that's so cool, you know, but like, I don't think I could do that, you know? Um, so I guess I'm struggling to answer the question because like, I think we've done this time and time again, like making these like, weird kind of decisions or um, decisions that other people would kind of look at and like, well, what did you do? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something that um, was kind of a bold step for not just me, but also my son, because he eventually was the person that made the decision not to go back to school. Um, he was the person that ultimately made the decision to join this online school. And I, I feel proud as a mom that I, you know, I feel like, hey, this is like the, these coaching skills <laughs> and this mindset is actually, you know, um, really impacting my parenting style. And it, you can see that it, I can see that in him. And when he was making a decision to go back, we were looking at the pros and cons. And he, I said, like, ultimately, you have to make this decision. He's 14, but I'm not going to be the parent that's going to, you know, I'm going to give you the wisdom and share my perspective. But ultimately, this is your life and this is your decision. Like, I, I feel I felt that he's old enough to make these kind of decisions, even though it was challenging for him. And we were going through the pros and cons. And he was saying, like, you know, if I go back to my old school, what are the pros? What are the cons? And he was saying things like, yeah, it would be like it will feel safe. It will feel comfortable. It will be like in my comfort zone. I would feel like secure because I'm doing exactly what other kids are doing. And there's a system there and all that. But the downside would be like I would have to go back to learning things like you know, 50% of the subjects I didn't want to study because it's just, you know, he didn't like, he wasn't into drama or language or arts and stuff like that. And so he felt like joining, going into this online system, he would get to do the subjects that he was really great at. And to him, the fear for him was like, this is an unknown territory. And this like, how is this going to be? And all my friends are at school and I'm not going to know anybody here. And you can see him like going through the like, okay, these are the challenges and the like, and ultimately he, 
I asked him like, yo, so what do you think is important for you? Or, or some sort of that question, you know? And he was like, yeah, I think, and that's how he ultimately made a decision that um, he wanted to challenge himself and, you know, learning the things that, uh, and being in an environment that challenged him was better for him in the long term, even though it could have, you know, felt uncomfortable at the moment. So mm. um, I I felt I was kind of like, yeah, um, we got some marks from that bold stuff. And it was a really great um, decision. Um, and, and looking back, it was a right decision. Yeah. That yeah. is so fascinating. And what a cool story, because from if we're just going to talk dynamics for a second, like masculine, feminine, right? Yeah. What, what I'm hearing, what you did was you stayed in your, and your feminine and you let him lead, like instead of mothering him and instead of trying to control the situation and micromanaging it and operating from a place of fear that he wasn't going to do it right. And you have all this wisdom and you know, better than him. And you're a super high performer and you're really successful and you have this coaching business and all of the like reasons why what you did was you supported him in the decision, but you ultimately let him lead in his, like you put him in a position of leadership as a man at a young age to make decisions and you supported him. And I would imagine as there's probably a little bit of like head of household energy that maybe came through for him as like, he's the man at the house and you know, you trusted his decision and you gave him autonomy. Now, maybe it would have been different if it was a daughter versus a son, but I think that um, there's really something powerful to be said about mothers giving sons the ability to lead themselves, right? So what you're doing is creating a man who can yeah. make decisions that um, is open to hearing perspectives, but isn't relying on his mom to figure things out for him or his future wife to take care of him, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I never thought about that story from the perspective that you just shared, you know, the masculine and feminine and and the fact that, hey, yeah, I'm actually, you know, building a future husband for someone mm -hmm. here. <laughs> and that actually leads into our conversation in a way that I, I, I wasn't even planning, you know, like to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like we will repeat the patterns, right. That we saw yeah. growing up. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I know that I've dated a lot of men that are like, you know, raised by really strong single women. And, you know, they have a lot yeah. of respect for, for, for women, but also like, there's this weird pendulum that's swinging right now. And, you know, the divine feminine is rising, which I think is beautiful. But for me personally in dating, I'm seeing how, this feminist movement isn't really giving women exactly what they want, maybe in their careers and respect in the workplace and stability and choice. But when it comes to like romantic partnerships and dating, there is a loss of polarity. Right. And I think that as women, um, it's really important for us to be thinking about those things, not only in like the way that we choose a partner, but in the way that we raise our children. Like I'm not a mom, but I think about that a lot. Like I, I date men that have children and I'm like, there's an opportunity here to like in the relationship to mirror what that looks like. Um, but also like in the co-parenting as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I see that especially a lot here in the Asian culture, um, not necessarily like with single moms, even with like, you know, when both parents are, are still together, we moms are in like 
the doing mode, right? So we we have that to-do list, we have that checklist, and you know, we we need to get things done. And that puts us into the masculine energy, right? And then when we're in that masculine energy, you know, how um we as men, they love women that are like their mothers, right? So it's that that psychological kind of love blueprint. And the same as like women will like um, men that are similar or have something similar to their their fathers, right? Um, or actually, it's a mix of both parents. But we can definitely see that. And when guys are attracted to women that are uh, like you know like um, assertive and like powerful and high performers and you know great leaders and you know a little bit of that bossy kind of like energy and like that they have that edge right so I'm 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 that woman as well so I attract like I would say men that are attracted to that kind of woman as well and I think like from all the clients that I've spoke with and myself we it's like we get into the relationship and we're attracted to like guys that have that you know feminine energy those like understanding and so caring but then we also need them to lead us Right. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like um, for me, I'm like wanting that beta guy that will step up, <laughs> you know, and then what I find in in the patterns of like how this guy was created or like when I talk to clients and everybody and even like my clients that are guys or clients that are women, there's this pattern definitely from what you mentioned from parenting right? Like, yeah, my mom used to tell me what to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she's the leader, she made the decision and all that. And so, of course, if you've spent your life with, you know, growing up like that, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a blueprint, right? And yeah. so I think it's, it's, yeah, it's super, I, for me, when I look at how to solve this problem that we're having, we're seeing the dating world, relationship world, for me, it's like, yeah, yeah, we need to change the parenting. And we women need to help our boys become, you know, great men. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that's so root cause, right? Is is the dating world right now complete trash? Because like <laughs> asking for a friend, like I I feel like as I've gotten older and I've been single since the end of 2019, it's the longest I've ever been single. Every time I date someone, my standards keep going up and they keep going up. And yeah. I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I, I deleted most of the apps. I have a couple that I still use kind of like sporadically, but I was like, I deleted hinge. I, I deleted Bumble because I just feel like it's not like, I'm not finding the quality of leadership and maybe I'm just on the wrong app. Right. But like, when I think about being a high performer, um, my standards. I want a man that's like also high performing, but emotionally intelligent and will yeah. lead me. And so that I don't have to make those decisions. Right. I want an alpha man that's going to lead me so I can be in my feminine, but it's like, I feel like the quality of men that I'm meeting is just like average. And then I see all this like toxic dating culture crap on TikTok, And I'm like, is it me? Like, is it just the lens that I'm looking through or is everyone kind of having this experience? So like, I would love your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still on two, three dating apps. Um, I'm, I'm about to probably maybe delete one, but I'm going to stay on two. Um, my take on this is like exactly like what well go, let's go back to the facts the people the men that we are looking for is not an average guy right 
not an average guy. Um, we are not average women, right? So what you just said, exactly. Every time we date someone, our standards keep going up higher because we've learned another thing that we don't want in our life partner yep. from our past, our just recent relationship, for example, right? Yep. So yep. like I have a checklist, right? And uh, so there's a must have, there's a good to have, and then there's like must not have, right? And that, that, that wisdom <laughs> is collected from, you know, years and years of relationships and dating, right? Um, and then... I think like we should view relationships as a learning journey to not just learn about other people, but ourselves. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. every dating, even if you've gone on this bad, bad, bad dating experience or whatever, but you've learned something, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you didn't, <laughs> maybe you did, you know, like, okay. Like sometimes they're just nuances or like specific very specific things that okay I just found out that I really like this characteristic in a yeah. person yeah you know and it goes back to the law of attraction the more clear you are on like exactly what you're looking for in, in even the small details I feel like the closer you will get for me I found that in every relationship serious relationship I've gotten closer to the person that I'm looking for yeah and it's not going to be like easy breezy because we're not looking for a normal person. And I always like encourage my clients who are in that niche as well, looking for high value partners and they themselves are high value partners. And they they're looking for someone that exactly what you described, not only intelligent and, you know, success in what successful in what they do, but like have the self-awareness have worked on themselves, you know, have high emotional intelligence and a trend that we see happening a lot is like high IQ, but not so high EQ, mm, you know? Yeah. Because high IQ people, like they, they're great at what they do. You know, they've been to, they work in, they've been successful because they use their brains, right? But then when it comes to relationships and emotional intelligence and self-awareness, that's a completely different world, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so I think that's where that the it's it's hard to find someone that has both of those things. It is. But it it's possible it exists, right? It's just like we're we're going to take we're going to maybe need more time, more resources, more investment into into dating, right? And and keep on going. I I always this is like telling me myself because I'm also in the in the dating stage as well and I'm telling my clients, I'm telling like friends and and you know people I meet, whether they're a guy or a woman, like I would, I would always say like, keep going, you know, don't get discouraged because yeah. like, yeah, one of my friends is like, you're going to kiss a hundred frogs before you meet Prince Charming. And it's always that, that, that thought always was in my mind. Like never, don't be discouraged because like what you are looking for is a rare item, right? <laughs> it's like, you're not going to just find him anywhere. And so my take on dating apps for me, this is specifically for me. Um, I'm an introvert. So I spend a lot of my time working at home. I'm just not, I wouldn't say I'm not that person that will go out and meet a bunch of people. But you know, I, I feel I have less exposure to meeting new people. Yeah. Because I, you know, because being an introvert, you reserve your energy. So you can't, you, you don't want to go out partying, meeting hundreds and hundreds of people and strangers and stuff like that, right? <laughs> Um, also 
I have a small group of friends, a quality friends. So I don't have a a lot of friends that would, you know, connect me to their friends and stuff like that. So it's different, I think, for the introvert versus the extrovert, where the extroverts actually gains energy by going out and partying and meeting new people. For the introvert, that drains our energy, right? And so we still need that energy to be a mom, to work, to do our business and like help our clients and so many other things, right? So I feel like as an introvert, the dating app, yes, there are a ton of like swipe left. (laughs) You're going to have to swipe left on a bunch of of people. Um, But I, I have kind of met a few people, like a handful of people, I would say, and like not a lot that, um, you know, could possibly be like, have those things on my checklist, Yeah, you know? Yeah. 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 So I still have the faith uh, that sometimes I would pause from it from a few days and then some like, and just like, you know, do nothing. And then when I, I've kind of recharged my battery, then I ca- kind of go back in when I'm ready. But I feel like, what I would say to people is like, don't force yourself. If you don't feel you're in that, that positive energy and you're tired, like just don't go in there. Yeah. Um, It's going to drain your energy even more. And I feel like to be on a dating app these days requires such resilience and high (laughs) self-esteem and self-belief, you know, because like, you're going to get there's like so many strange things happening in there. You just, you can't take it personally, you know? And I've been bullied by people and have been like, there's so many strange things happening. But I feel like as we, it's a skill. I feel like just being on these dating apps, that's a specific skill. Um, there's a learning curve to it. And I think like for me, I'll just speak from my experience being on dating apps for for a few years. I would say I'm getting much better at it. I don't get scammers anymore. (laughs) I used to get scammers. I don't get it anymore. And, um, you know, if you believe in the law of attraction, maybe you'll think like, yeah, I've learned my lesson so that they're not sent to you anymore. Or if you're thinking from like, okay, you've got skills. Now you've kind of learned what scammers look like. So you don't fall for them anymore. You know, so it's definitely, there's definitely a learning curve there. And, you know, I think when you've been on it for a while and you just realize that this is just how it is, you know, but you're just looking for one person at the end of the day, you're looking for just one person, you're not looking for 20. And, you know, you do your best to make sure that you're actually, you know, if you decide to go on a date, uh, on a date, on an actual date, there's kind of like that potential there. And there's this, like the conversation is going well, you know, you, you have similar values and all that. And another thing I would say is like, you want to write your profile so that you're super clear on who you're looking for yeah, and who you are as a person on a deep, level you know I had a friend she's like I'm lazy I don't want to write anything I'm like but if you don't write anything you're basically like a very general kind of like and we talk in business it's like a general landing page yeah you're like attract everybody yeah 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 so yeah I that's kind of my take I still have hope and I still you know think that there's a 50% chance I'll meet my soulmate from these dating apps (laughs) (laughs) and then the other 50% is maybe through um somebody um you know, referring a friend or connecting a friend. I love this. So, okay. So (laughs) if you are looking for a high value man, yeah. What would be the, 
would you would you consider going through like maybe a matchmaking service instead? Because this is also something I've I've talked about with some of my girlfriends. I actually have a girlfriend who lives out in California and she is a SVP for a major financial firm. And she's not single now, but um, she was on an elevator and having a conversation with a man and he handed her his business card and he said, I work for a very prestigious matchmaking firm here. And I think that you would be an incredible asset to our lady bank for lack of a better term, right? I'm just like her, you know, our woman bank for the men. So do you think that these high value men that are, you know, very successful, they probably don't have time for traditional dating. Are they even on apps or are they maybe going through matchmaking services and like outsourcing the, the sorting process to find quality connections? Yeah. So I think they are actually everywhere. They are everywhere. And for me, uh, yeah, so I run another, my baby business. I don't really want to say it's a, a matchmaking business because it's more like a lifetime relationship consulting business Yeah, where matchmaking is kind of like a sub depart, like a department in there. You know Got what it. I mean? Because yep. yep. my core focus is about like, it's not about the matchmaking. It's about who do you become and who are you looking for? Yeah, right? like the quality the of match- life overall. Yeah. yeah. And then the matchmaking is like a jigsaw puzzle in that. Love that. And I would even say to my clients, like, even if you, you, you're hiring me as your matchmaker and relationship consultant, relationship coach, you might meet your soulmate yet not through my service. Right. Right. right, right. But my goal is to help you become who you want to be and be super clear on who you want to attract and who you want to build a, a lifetime relationship with. And that that's the gold. That's actually what's going to help you attract him wherever he is. You know, so the how is not as important as about like the person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, So even for me, people joke about this a lot because like, why don't you just find someone for yourself through your business? Right. (laughs) Like, Yeah. No, my clients are my priority. And I don't think it would be, you know, cool to be matchmaking for yourself. That would be so weird. Right. But I've gone through that experience of trying to hire a local matchmaker for myself. And I was like, not accepted as a client. (laughs) I don't know whether I told you this. I didn't know. I never know what, how, yeah. They didn't take me on as a client. They said, yeah, you're overqualified. Some Something along the lines of you're kind of overqualified. We don't think that we can find any men for you, like the type of men that you are looking for. Because I had this really long checklist, right? And now I don't want everybody to misunderstand what I mean when I say checklist. Because I mentioned this to guys a lot, the guys that I meet on dating apps. And I get such a reaction from these guys when I say the word checklist, like, I don't know. It's so true. It's a very masculine thing, right? So again, like it kind of going back to what you're saying before, like a man coming on a date, it feels like an interview versus a date, right? So I would imagine, I would imagine from a guy's point of view, hearing the word checklist feels like a very masculine, like proving competing energy. But in our minds, it's more of like a filtration system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's funny because like, then they start to think, oh, you're looking for the person, perfect person. It has to be this, like, whatever, whatever. And actually my checklist has nothing to do with like, how tall are you or how much money you make? And not that at all. It has things like, has to be emotionally mature, for example, 
Yeah. Has to help have like high self-awareness, you know, mm -hmm. great EQ, emotional intelligence. Um, you know, we are both uh, supportive of each other's dreams. Something, these are like the things that everybody yeah. I think should have on their checklist, right? Yeah. So that's what they said. And so I started to look for matchmaking companies abroad, like in other other countries. So I went to London and then a few, I don't remember where, like in the States and all that. But it's challenging for me because I'm living in Thailand. And so I would have to be able to nail it down, like which country I'm looking for. They, they won't go and match make for me for like all over the world, you know? Yeah. So I would have to go say like, you know, Australia or Singapore or, you know, America or where, right? Yeah. And then they would actually go and kind of search for that person from that country. That's that's how it would work. Now that doesn't work for me at the moment because I'm not able to travel as well. Like, you know, the dating would, like he would travel here, but like fly on a jet or something. And I would have to, <laughs> I would have to go to that country as well, like in the yeah. dating phase, right? Um, and that's just not going to work for me at the moment with um, my lifestyle. And I still have a 14 year old living here. Um, so that's not something that would work for me, for example, you know, right. right. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like how I came up with, Hey, so I should be doing this. Yeah. You know? Solve for the yeah. problem that you have. Right. Yeah. And it was because I, from all the research that I've done, a lot of matchmakers, you know, the KPI is to do as many matches as possible. It's not about the the necessarily the quality, but it's like, you know, um, how do we get people on as many dates as possible? Um, you know, and then they feel it's a numbers game because if you get on a lot of dates, maybe you'll marry one of them. That will be yeah. another KPI for us. And for me, I feel like I have such insights into the, into creating business ideas because I'm a consumer myself. Yeah. And the first step in innovation or business idea or business creation is about empathizing. Yeah. It's about understanding like the deepest, deepest problem for the clients. And so yeah. I'm also a client, I'm also a consumer. And I feel like I have so many clients and friends and people that I know that are kind of like in that kind of similar mindset in dating and relationships. Now, something that I, I haven't seen in the matchmaking space is like matchmakers talking about like the emotional intelligence side, right? We, we, we know that, yeah, we are looking for people that are, you know, high, high EQ, but I feel like a lot of the focus or the marketing or the, the niche are created on, on things that you can, you can see with your eyes. Like a lifestyle. Like the yeah. money, the lifestyle, the yeah. trips, the yeah. extravagance, yeah. like all that. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, I look at like some of my affluent clients, they don't necessarily have that kind of lifestyle or aspire to have that kind of lifestyle. They look like the most normal people, right? And what they're actually looking for is something else. It's like the inner character, right? Yeah. And the lifestyle and the financial compatibility and the looks and appearance and all that still has to go into the package. Right. But yeah. like, I feel nowadays since personal development has been a thing, I feel like there's a group of people that are a lot more evolved mentally psychologically yeah. yeah and that was like the niche for me that was like yeah nobody's matchmaking for these self-evolved people that yeah. have done the work that like you know 
want to talk about the uncomfortable things that most people avoid, you yep. know, want to, you know, like do the things that take, takes courage, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to have yeah. a relationship where you need to be boldly courageous, right? I feel like most matchmakers were not thinking in that kind of like yeah. realm. Of and so that's, that's how the idea came. And it's also my pain point because every matchmaker that I talked to was kind of like focusing on the other things, you know, like, you know, the lifestyle, just what you said. And, you know, how many kids do you want to have? And, and they were not digging into the psychology of the whole thing and like, you know, what went on. And they talked about the past relationships and what worked, but didn't work and didn't work, but very minimal, you know, like yeah. I feel the way that I interview my clients, we could talk all day and I would like be interested in every detail that they give me. Cause that's an indication of like, okay. So like, from what I heard, kindness is like super important. Like kindness is important for everybody, but especially you, for example, like I can really hear that through all the stories of like, why you specifically love this person much, much more than the other person or something like that. So yeah. that takes a lot of investment, right. In time and energy into a client to find out like these details Yeah, and a database system that can collect all these like small little details is very important. And so that's kind of like, yeah, how I came upon the idea. And so back to your question, yes, I do believe that matchmaking is a, another solution for you. It's another option. But even coming from someone that runs a matchmaking business, I would not say like, that's your only choice, because right. he can come from anywhere, she can come from anywhere. And I think you can you can probably hear this from a lot of people that has has worked with a relationship or matchmaker before is that it's about how you transformed as a person. Yeah. And then that allowed you to go and um, magnetize or attract the person of your dreams. Yeah. So it's not about the, you know, the the mechanics and, the you know, like, who are you going to bring from you? Know, who am I going to date? Who, who are you going to match me with? Right. But yeah. It's, 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 it's more about like, who do you become? And then that person is going to go out and attract and, and be going to attract that. Yeah. Be able I, to have, you know, the skills to build that relationship and be successful with that relationship. Yeah. And I think it's important to like discern between high value versus high net worth. Right. So I yeah, think sometimes yeah. we hear oh like high net worth and we think high value, but high value. I love how you kind of broke that down. You, you kind of went through like the values that they have and they're emotionally intelligent and you know this is the way they think about their life and they're looking for quality connection versus i think yeah. there is a subset of high net worth men and probably women but men more more so that are not necessarily looking for the quality connection they're looking for companionship and i think it's important to note the difference between those two things and i bring this up because i have a few friends of mine that have had some dating ex success on sugar daddy websites. And I'm saying this kind of like with a grain of salt to say like, there are definitely people on these websites that are looking for that dynamic of like pay to meet, or there's like sex workers that are on there, or there's like these men that are in their late, late sixties, early seventies, and they have time and they have money and they're not married and they're truly just looking for companionship. Like they just want someone to have fun with. Right. But then there's also this like, so that's like one subset of like the ultra high net worth that aren't really looking for relationship dynamics. They just want someone to have fun with and spend time with and like companion. 
But then there's this interesting subset of men who are also high net worth. They're CEOs or, you know, they they run executive positions. They're, they don't have time for traditional dating, but they're, they are looking for quality connection and they're looking to provide mentorship as well. So I'm curious, like, what's your experience kind of with like, okay, there's the ultra high net worth that's just looking for companionship. But then there is this, like, I would also maybe categorize them as high value, right? They're like high performing, they're like career focused, they're very successful, but perhaps don't have the bandwidth for normal dating. So if you're dating someone in that space, like how do you navigate that? You know? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a, it's a team thing. So if I'm working with a client that is dating someone that is a high, you know, high achiever, high performer, um, and they, you know, they don't have time. There's like very limited time they have, you know, away from their work or their business. It's a team effort. So, but like, if I'm, if the guy's not my client and the, the woman is my client, right. how does she go and navigate that? Um, it's about communication a lot, like definitely self-esteem, emotional intelligence from the woman's side, Yeah, you know, and they have to be able to communicate their needs. They have to be able to communicate like what they want. Yeah. And sometimes you know, a woman just, yeah, like, you know, he should know, he should know what to do. You know, um, sometimes he doesn't know, you know, <laughs> and so you kind of need to step up and kind of like, you know, communicate because sometimes he really doesn't know. And it's it's a team effort. And sometimes you'll have to follow and sometimes you'll have to lead. But ultimately, like if you share the same goals, if you yeah. if you share the same, you know, you have the same vision for the relationship, you really want to both get there. You're building an authentic, real, genuine relationship. Then it's about like being a great team player. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, it's not about like, well, this is your responsibility or, the, you know, like it's about like whatever you can do in that relationship, you, you try, you put the effort in, you communicate, you all. That. And, and that those are really important, like relationship skills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like it's about building those skills in the relationship. And that's another reason why, I feel that's the problem with like most matchmaking businesses because they just match you and they just automatically assume that you're going to be successful. But the truth is, even if you're matched with the perfect match, right? Like whatever, something can go wrong because we're humans and yeah. then we have our demons and then we have our like self-doubts or whatever. And then we're still working on our skills or relationship skills and whatever. And so if you match someone and just expect them to just be successful with their relationship, that's just not going to happen. And so that's why I believe in kind of long-term relationship coaching, helping them navigate through like the five stages of the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And through that five stages is about building skills. It's about yeah. having awareness of what you need to work on and, you know, what happened in your past that, you know, made you have this sort of belief. And so that's affecting your current relationship and all that. So it is like a lot of clients, when they talk to me initially, they're like, wow, this is a lot of work. This is like harder than business. And like, yeah. That's <laughs> the most important decision you make, right? I, I remember seeing this somewhere on social media and it was like a, it was like a chart of relationship time, right? Like the person, uh, the, the types of like relationships that you have throughout your life. Yeah. And it was like the 
the parenting relationship, like as a young child, like your time with your parents is bookend, right? Like you'll spend some time on the front end and some time on the back end, but in the middle, it's kind of like all your other interpersonal connections. So as a child, like that's your family relationships, but then your partner, your romantic partner is like, call it mid, mid to late twenties, early thirties for most people average until God willing, like you die, right? Like if you don't get divorced or whatever. So that is like the longest, most influential relationship. Cause it's, it was about like how, like the proximity that you have in that relationship. And then it was the same thing with like children. Like when you have children for them, it's really from, you know, it's like 18 years until then they're going off and having their own experience. So when you look at it, from uh, a wide lens, like the one relationship that is going to have the most proximity to you over the long term is your partner. And I thought that that was so interesting. I was like, wow, like we think about relationship dynamics of family being the most important and being a mom being most important. And yes, those things are really important, but the person that you choose as your partner is going to be through with you the longest, like in terms of like the amount of proximity that you're actually together. Yeah. And that's why they're called like life partners, right? Yes. <laughs> but it, it it's a, it's funny because like we never, we were never educated, like formally educated on like how to do this thing, how to choose a partner, how to choose a high quality, high value partner. We, we've never, you know, attended those kind of subjects or courses. <laughs> and so we kind of go out in the world and like, okay, let's kind of learn this thing, right? Through yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%. So for, for the women listening that are single and they're like, I would really love to attract a high value man. What are the things that high value men are looking for? What are the things that they value? What do they want in a partner in your experience? Yeah, definitely the inner character integrity. And I would say they because because like I would mention I was mentioning high value doesn't necessarily mean high net worth. No. But yes, they are financially stable. They know what they're doing, you know, because they also have high self-esteem. They value themselves. They're self-worth. They have self-worth. They, you know, they do what they're passionate about. They they contribute to society, you know. So definitely they look for the same things in a life partner. And especially like you're thinking about the mother of their child. So they're, they're not looking for just a girlfriend. These people are like hunting. <laughs> they're hunting for someone that will be their life partner that will, you know, build a quality, quality life together. And definitely like if you're planning on having kids, this is a mother of your child. So, you know, what type of child, what type of human being yeah. do you want to raise? Right. And so parenting is just, I think people in this world today know it already that how important like parenting is yeah you know compared to like our parents and back then they, they didn't really realize they were just trying to survive right but now that we're more evolved and we're now into the psychology and self-development now we know right that oh okay like if we do wrong parenting you know <laughs> they're not going to turn out the way we want them to and so definitely I think the mindset has definitely changed and now they are looking for something of, of much higher, higher standards. And they're thinking about the criterias and all those things like a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly me kind of like, if I'm talking to a, a, a male client 
And yeah, they, they are very like, I would say, see, see this person as like the perfect bachelor, like, you know, dream guy, every woman would want this guy, right. And then I'm listening to all his like criteria and things like that. And then like, okay, I'm trying to understand everything. And what I normally do with a client is like, then I would go in and it's like, okay, is this necessarily can we move this must have to the good to have, <laughs> you know, um, and then there it could be some like lifestyle elements that he felt was important. But then as he rethought about it, okay, yeah. maybe I can put that into the good to have. Um, but definitely on the must have is integrity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the principles, moral, like, the person has to be have like a big heart. Kindness is something that comes up like almost in, in every conversation. Mm -hmm. on, it's on everybody's list. Um but that's also because I choose and attract a particular group of clients as well. And so yeah. kindness is big for me. Definitely. Like I will well, say like even friends, not just like husbands, boyfriends, friends, they have to be givers, you know, mm -hmm. the giver, match or taker, faker. Like I just love givers because I'm also a giver, you know? And so, um, I think that's probably why I attract like similar kinds, kinds of clients that have similar, hold similar values as me. And so it could be a little bit biased like that. It might not represent the whole population of all high value um, partners, but definitely kindness. Like you have to have a good heart. So I would say like, if you're, you are a high value individual, you would have like kindness as one of your key values. Right. Um, so the inner character is super important because they know they're smart enough to know that this is what like, you know, you don't fall, you fall in love with if you're attracted to looks and appearances, but that's not going to last. Right. So they know that, but then they also want the the looks and appearances, like, you know, not necessarily everybody likes people that are like, you know, have the model looks like a model or is that like super beautiful, you know, people, some people have different, have different preferences. Right. And so we also talk about appearances, like what kind of, you know, girl do you like and something like that. So they're like, some people like chubby, <laughs> some people like, like, there's all sorts of um, people have very different preferences, you know, so, so the girls listening out there, if you think you have to be like a particular type of body shape or look a specific way, I'm here to tell you, like, no, guys, actually, they they look for different things. But they also look for another thing that's on the must have is like authenticity. Mm, yeah, being genuine and being real. Because I feel like in this world of fakeness, right, of people being so like, everything is like about like, okay, let's see what people are doing on social media. Let's be the same. Let's do the same. Let's dress the same. Like when you're doing that, you're actually just blending in with everyone. Yeah. And a high value individual or high value, I think men or women, they're looking for rare items. They're looking for like that special gem that looks different from the, the mass population, right? If you want to stand out like that, that's so key, being genuine, being like authentic, being real and owning your, 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 not just wanting to look perfect, you know? Yes. Just, yes. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a certain level of like self-assuredness and confidence that comes like in a woman that is comfortable being in a top knot and sweatpants and feeling just as radiant and magnetic and beautiful as like the dress to the nines. Right. And so kind of the, the, the parallel to that is like high net worth doesn't always equal high value. Yeah. And 
from a, on the woman's side, high maintenance, like hair done, nails done, spray tan, like blended contouring makeup and like all the clothes, high maintenance doesn't always equal high value as well. And so I think that yeah. some of the conversations that I've had with men, cause I always ask men, I'm like, so what are some beauty trends that men really think are not attractive? Right. And I'm always curious about that. And what I'm finding, cause I've spoken to some men that are on sites like, you know, sugar daddy sites and things like that, because they want, they actually want a quality connection. Like they actually want a high value woman that her number one priority is not like making sure that her lashes are perfect and her hair looks amazing. And those things are great. But it's like, if you're doing those things because you lack confidence, it's going to come out in your wounding and your attachment styles. And like the way that you relate to a man who's super confident, like his confidence is going to trigger your insecurity. Right. So I love what you're saying. And I think it's important for women to anchor this in because real embodiment in your feminine is, it is like the beauty comes from knowing who I am and like knowing what my values are and knowing what my worth is. And that like, radiates out far beyond the spray tans and all those things are nice. They enhance. It's like really nice wrapping paper, but if there's nothing inside the box, like I would assume that these types of high value men have, I think being a high value person, whether you're a high value woman or a high value man, you have access to anything you want. And when you've had all of the shiny stuff, you're like, there's no substance here. Exactly. And, and so I definitely like the other things that you mentioned, like self-confidence, all that, those are also on the list for sure. Like guys will look for the emotionally mature woman, like woman that will like, you know, check your phone and do all those things that you see on those reality drama shows. <laughs> like, no, like, no, they, they, they don't want that at all. Right. So they're looking for like, I would say like it's called quiet confidence. So it's mm-hmm. like quiet confidence. It's not like that you know, looking like your confidence, but not really. So it's about like having high self-esteem um, and just being really confident in who you are. And that happens when, you know, you have strong m- values and you you stick to those values and you, the way you, sh- you show yourself to the world or on social media or everywhere and how you are in in person in, with your friends, with your families, it's the same person, yeah. you know, so yeah. that's, that's like authenticity and that's like confidence in that self, that's the self-esteem. So mm-hmm. a real genuine person, I would say, um, th- those are the people that they're looking for. Now, if you don't understand that and you're more like, you're focusing on the outer, on the looks and all that. Yeah. They're like, they're going to know this is not the real thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, They want the whole package. I would say they're looking for the whole package, but it doesn't mean you have to look perfect in terms of appearance. I would say one to 10 on the scale of appearances. I would say guys will go for a woman that look like six or seven on the appearance scale, but like on the personality, inner character, integrity, they're like an eight, nine, 10. Like they would definitely go for that person, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, like versus the opposite. And there's probably Um, a lifestyle component that comes along with that too, of of what's important. And that comes down to a value saying like, so a person who has lifestyle values of taking good care of themselves, eating well, working out is naturally going to present as someone who is a little bit more confident and probably a little bit higher on that 
appearance scale because they take good care of themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. And, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, it's about like, it's about what you're looking for and what, yeah, what you're looking for in a, in a life partner. And then at the end of the day, who do you get to match with and what are the choices that you come across? And then it's like a, it's, it's a thing that we humans do. We compare the choices that we have and we look like, you know, we're trying to get the best deal. Yeah. We're trying to get the best deal. And I always explain this with the social exchange theory, which is a theory in, in psychology that we study. It's about like in every relationship that we get into, we will weigh the benefit and the cost of course, of that relationship. Yeah. And so every, the, the goal of both people going to the relationship is to get a great deal. Yeah. Well, it's like a business arrangement, right? I mean, it really yeah, is. And like it's, when it's you think every, about it. Yeah. It's in every relationship, whether friendship or, or, or romantic, but we don't of, often think about it, but, it, but it's true. Like that's why, um, to be in a relationship where you both feel like equal, equally, like not in terms of equality or not, not that in, in terms of like, did I get a great deal being with mm. this partner? Yeah. Or do I, did I, you know, did I settle? If one partner feels like I got, I, I don't deserve this because I can find someone better. And this person is like, I don't deserve this person. Cause like, I feel like I'm, I'm not at that level, you know? Um, and this is like, you're cal- calculating with an equation with every factor in there. It's not about any one factor. It's everything. And so if it's not equal, one, they'll, they'll try to get out of the relationship, both yeah. of them. This person is like, I'm not worth it. And this person is like, I'm too good. Yeah. So it's always about finding that I, I call it equal partner. Yeah. Like where that's like, you know, we bring what we bring into the relationship and what we get out of it is like, I got a good deal. And the goal is like, both of you feel that you got a good deal. So I think you just really, you also just unlocked something really important that I think is, is I forget sometimes in dating is I'm always looking at what they bring to the table, but I forget sometimes of like, I'm also bringing a lot to the table. So it's not just like, is this person, um, like meeting all my needs, but also forgetting like, Hey, I also bring a lot, like I'm worth a lot as well. Right. So like, there's, I think, I think as women, I don't know, for me personally, I like, I forget that I'm like, Oh, he's this, he's this, like, I wonder if I'll be good enough or if he'll be good enough for me. But it's like, you have to remember that like you bring, there is a lot that you bring to the table and that deserves to be, um, like recognized or pursued, you know? And, um, I, I think that kind of comes back to the very beginning of the conversation of like allowing the man to lead and letting him take the steps and being in that leadership role and trusting his leadership to know that like, if he's choosing you, he also recognizes that like you bring a lot to the table as well. Like a high value man is going to recognize that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I love this That's conversation. <laughs> yeah. And what you just mentioned to, to, to add to that, I get my clients to write their own list as well of what they, what are, what are their assets? Mm. What do they bring to the table? Because sometimes you're not aware of what your assets are. And when you are aware about your assets, you talk about it. You talk about it. You actually do more of those kind of like your, your, your 
the good things that you have, yeah. those assets. For example, you think you're kind, you believe you're kind, you know that you're kind, you know this is an important asset. It actually motivates you to be even more kind, like to show that kindness even more and in the relationship as well, you know? So one key thing for me is like, one of my assets I would say, is like, I know I'm a great parent. Like everybody's like, I always ask people, do you know what I'm most proud of, proud about? It's not like the business, it's not the success in like the business world or what, how much money I can make or whatever. It's about like, I think I've been a really great mom, you know, mm -hmm. and that's another asset, right? So I'm hoping like everybody listening is like, go back and, and write your asset list, you know? I like, love this. Because you know? we always make the list of like what we want, but we forget that like also we are going to attract who we are. So what are the assets that we bring to the table? And it's it it does require you to be incredibly self-aware of like it is challenging to kind of think about that, like, oh, what it what are my assets, right? Yeah. Um, outside yeah. of just my physical looks, right? So yeah, for those that want to connect with you on a deeper level, maybe learn more about your coaching, your experience in business and personal development, all that. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn um, and Instagram. Um, and you can visit my website, although my website has nothing to do with matchmaking. <laughs> my matchmaking business uh, isn't, it, I, have, I haven't put up a website yet. We're still creating it, but we... Um, we're taking clients and we're learning at the same time of like, you know, what to gain more knowledge and experience before we actually put up a website. Um, but if anybody's interested in my interested in working with me on their business, um, so I work with expert based businesses, specifically people that are exceptional at what they do. Um who I call outliers. So I I also identify with the word being an outlier. Um I help um, these businesses find their find the factor that differentiates them from the rest of the industry so that they can they just the goal is to be number one in yeah. in their niche. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, it's a lot of personal development work and a lot of innovation and strategy work. Um, so you can visit me at needalert.com. And yeah, we're just, if you're interested in anything, just, just reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram, um, direct message or yeah. Amazing. Email me as well. Okay. So last question, what are you celebrating right now? What am I celebrating? Yeah, I would say this year has been a lot of changes. So I'm celebrating changes. I feel like not just this year, but maybe the last couple of years with COVID and everything, I feel it, it depends on how you view it. But for me, like COVID, even though I felt like I, I perceive myself as a awakened person, right? <laughs> but I feel like COVID bringing the changes and all has really brought, you know, perspective and awareness and things like that. So I feel like I'm celebrating change. And yeah, just like, new ways of thinking about things and how I really want my life to be. And I think it's never, it's a never ending question because you're redesigning your life and the path to get there as you go every day. So yeah, if, if I was to think about one thing, I'd say it's about change, but really like transformation and yeah, seeing people change and things change and the world changing. I yeah. Love that. 
Yeah. Change is inevitable, right? So it's all about how we embrace it. So thank you, Nita, so much for sharing your light and your wisdom and your perspective. You've helped me shift some things for myself just with uh, dating and really like looking at my assets and what I bring to the table. So thank you so much. And for you guys listening, if you love this episode, share it on Instagram, tag myself, tag Nita, let us know what your biggest takeaway was. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.